Welcome to the Wagging Tails podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Noble Canine, canine behavioural specialists and dog trainers. We provide global online consultations and training, as well as physical training and behavioural rehabilitation within Singapore. On this episode of the podcast, we are going to be looking at part three of our festive furry friends. Now, for those of you that haven't listened to parts one and two, that was when we were talking about how to manage your dog during the holidays, whether that be Christmas, New Year, Chinese New Year, or any of the other great holidays that we have throughout the year. If you're interested in that, you can go back and listen to the Wagon Tail pod, Wagging Tales podcast, and that's the last previous two episodes. This is part three. So in part three, we are talking about reflections and how we can actually improve the holidays for our dogs. Now, the irony of this is if you're looking at New Year, is it's kind of like New Year's resolutions for your dog's holiday. So we're going to be talking about doing a post-mortem, if you like, on your holiday's past. So whether you had your holiday during Christmas or New Year or Deepa Valley or Chinese New Year coming up soon or any of the others, this session is when we talk about how to dissect how that holiday went for your dog and what we can do to help your dog and help yourself have a much better time during the next holidays. Okay, so ask your questions as I continue. And if there's anything that I'm not addressing, I'll try and jump on that as we move forward. And any questions not relating to the topic, I will address at the end. Um, So first things first, the holiday post-mortem. So this is when we've got to assess the season. We've got to evaluate how our dogs have coped with the different aspects of the holiday. Now, this could be as simple as how did they cope with the Christmas tree going up? How did they cope with decorations? Did they eat any of the tinsel? Did they ignore it? Were they scared? What sort of aspects of the holiday did your dog show you? Reflect on your dog's behaviour when it comes to guests. Were they overexcited? Were they jumping up? Were they begging at the table? Were they getting a little bit pushy? Or were they retreating and scared? Or even were they reacting to the guests coming in? So we've got to reflect on that one as well. The last one is super important, especially with all of these holiday foods that we have, is dietary indiscretions. So was there anything that happened during the holiday that your dog maybe took some chocolate or something else that might have been toxic to them? Or even if they just got fed too much at the table and your guests were a little bit naughty and just sneaking the holiday ham underneath the table. So all of these things we've got to look at and say, right, how did this actually go realistically? What was this like? Were we able to control things so that our dog was happy, healthy, comfortable and safe? Or did we struggle a little bit? Was it stressful for us? Was it stressful for our guests? And was it stressful for our dog? So once you've done that, once you actually understand 
okay, this is what happened during this holiday. This is the areas that were not ideal. That's when you've got to look at understanding your dog's reactions, which is effectively understanding which stress triggers um, your dog experienced. So this is when we look back and recall moments that our dogs seemed uneasy. Was it during fireworks at New Year? Was it when music was being played super loud? Was it during party games? Was it during kids being around and shouting and screaming? What was it that your dog was least fond of? What were they scared of? What were they uneasy about? What did they react to? So we've got to understand what those triggers were so that we can then address them before the next holiday session. So we've got to note any aggressive displays, what was happening at the time and why they were doing it. So if your dog was aggressive at all towards a guest, let's say, for example, your dog air snapped at a child. Now that is something that would obviously create a bit of turmoil with your guests. Now, granted, what I'm about to say is not me saying that it's okay, but we've got to be aware of why. What was happening at that time? Was there a huge amount of stress during the time that the dog air snapped? Was the kid in their safe space? Or was the kid trying to take a toy or a chew or something that the dog sees as high value? Were they protecting something? Were they protecting another dog? Were they protecting themselves? Was the kid being overly zealous? All of these things are very relevant because that lets us know what we need to work on. As I say, that's not an excuse for the dog to be snapping at children. But what it does tell us is that we, as the dog's guardians, we are the ones that need to be put to task with that. We are the ones that need to do better. Okay? So this is when we then look at what the training takeaways could have been. With all of these situations that went down, how was the compliance of your cues? Which commands were you able to use effectively with your dog in these real life situations? And which ones did they not do so well with? Which ones did they ignore? Or did you even use them? A lot of the time, you work with people and dogs and you work on this great toolbox of cues, this great toolbox of commands that means that your dog can do a whole host of different things. And the only time that the dog's parents, owners, guardians use it is during training. Now, this is very strange because people don't think about it that much like this, but why do we train? Forget about dogs for a while. If you're training for rugby or if you're training for football, training for boxing, why are you training? Well, it's because you're getting ready to play the game. You're getting ready to have the match. Now, that's exactly the same with dogs. When you're doing the training, it's got to be with real life in view. There's no point in having this great toolbox of different commands and cues if you don't use them in real life. And moreover, 
if you don't know how to use them in real life, which a lot of the time is the case because some people send their dogs away to be trained. So the dogs will get trained and board and train or they'll go to doggy school and stuff like that. And all of these have their place. But some of these facilities don't then coach the owners on how to use them. And that's very, very important. So one of the training takeaways has to be how well did we as the dog's family respond to the situations? Did we use the toolbox of commands effectively? Did we use leave it when the dog went to go and steal that piece of food off the table? Or did we just scream and shout? Did we send the dog to their safe place when we could see our dog was getting overwhelmed? Or did we just sort of say, oh, he'll be fine? Which of these did we fail to do? And then, of course, in the areas that we did use, which did your dog do well and which did they not? Because then you've got to look at the plan for the next holiday season. What areas do I need to reinforce? If sending your dog to their safe place, if sending them to bed was an issue, that tells you what you need to work on. Incorporate that into your daily routines. If your dog was rushing your guests every time they came into the house, but was being very friendly, that's still not acceptable. So work on being able to send your dog to their bed as people come into the house. That's something that would be very beneficial for the next holiday season. And that goes for any of the cues that you might use. Did your dog ignore leave it? Did your dog ignore a recall? Did your dog even ignore just doing a sit and a stay? Then these are things we need to work on and it needs to become part of your dog's daily routines. Then we look at physical and mental stimulation. We've got to take a look at what we did with our dog during the, the season. Did we give our dog enough exercise? Or were we so busy with the guests and the preparation and the cooking and the decorations and the presents and all that other stuff that our dog's exercise kind of fell to the wayside? And if that's the case, you can look at that as one of the reasons why you may have had downfalls that we discussed previously just there. So did a long walk get done before guests arrive? Or did you do it and you felt that it didn't really work? And if so, how can you make that more beneficial for your dog so that it might actually calm them down a little bit more? Was your walk before the guests just a fast, blasting walk, not stopping because you were in a rush? Or did you give your dog time to sniff? Did you give them the good sniffari? Because what a lot of people misunderstand is when your dog is sniffing so much, that's actually tiring them out as well because they're using their brain the whole time they're doing that. If they're just walking fast, that's only physical. Physical and mental stimulation is very, very important. So if you did that and it wasn't so great, if you've only done physical exercise, take a look at mental exercise as well. So could you incorporate puzzle feeders? Could you incorporate scent games to keep them mentally engaged? Could you start to use Kongs? When you put your dog into the safe space during the holidays, what are you using to keep them mentally stimulated and to help calm them down? 
do you have a, a bone that you might want to give them, a marrow bone or a chew, whatever it is. Now, bearing in mind, if you are doing things like that, your guests have to understand not to enter that safe space. Because the last thing we want is a safety issue when you're trying to calm your dog down. So we've got to take a look at that, build up that enrichment requirement that your dog needs. And that's good advice for throughout the year. But especially during the holiday seasons, we need to make sure that we are hitting those so that we are setting our dog up for success. Which leads us into the next part, your guests' guidelines. So what were the protocols that you put in place for this season? Or even if it's for Chinese New Year, what are the protocols that you're putting in place for next month? Think about the guest interactions that you had previously. Did certain guests approach the dog differently? Which approaches worked better? Which approaches weren't so good? The ones that approached and it was very successful, take note of that because then you're able to guide people better during their next visit. Actually have it written down. We've got... Um, We've got clients who actually have a set text message that they send to their guests before they arrive. So the guests can read a little bit about the dog, read about what they're working on and exactly what they should be doing to make sure that they are happy and safe and the dog is happy and safe. So guidelines are very, very important. We've got to develop these for future guests on how to interact with the dog based on what we've learnt. Nobody knows your dog better than you. And by doing the refreshing of how the last holiday season went, you're going to be able to actually polish that protocol to make it even better for your dog and your guests. So always think about that as well when you're reflecting back. So then we walk into the dog's safe zone. Was it a success? Did the safe zone that you had in place work for your dog? Was your dog calm and happy in there? Was it effective? Was it quiet enough? Was it utilised? Did the dog actually use it? Or as soon as you opened up that gate or door, was your dog out straight away? Did they not feel overly comfortable in there? So if that's the case, you've got to maybe look at moving it or have you shaped it properly and then looking at how you're going to implement that between now and the next holiday season. With the safe space as well, you've always got to remember to look at holiday plants, decorations, dog-related incidents that add something around those. And if that was in their safe space and there was any issues with that, they've all got to be removed. Design that safe place so that your dog actually likes it and actually feels comfortable. My strong advice to everybody that sets up a safe space for the holidays would be to have that as your dog's safe space throughout the year because it makes such a big difference to your dogs when they've got a set safe zone that they can go to when they feel stressed. For anybody as well who has young children or are expecting a baby, the safe zone is one of the most important aspects 
of having success when you have a dog and a baby. So bear that in mind when it comes to actually setting that up, even for guests or the festive period, that not only does it work well for those special events, but in everyday life, especially when you've got young children, it is very important. Moving on to health and nutrition. Now, we've got to look at the holiday that just passed and ask the question, were there any dietary mishaps? Did your dog get hold of something they shouldn't have? Did your dogs get loose stools from eating something? Do you need to keep a closer eye on the dog or on the locations and positioning of your food? Or do you want to look at maybe serving food which is more dog friendly? Or even having dog treats in a jar on the table, very clearly labelled, mind, so that if people want to give your dog food and if that's something that you're okay with, they know to give the dog those and nothing else. And that way your guests are still able to interact with the dog if that's something you're okay with. Personally, I don't like the dogs being given food from the table at all. I, I discourage it in my house. It can lead to resource guarding of table space, of underneath the table, things like that. But at the same time, it's your dogs. So as much as I can advise, it's your dogs. And if you do decide that that's okay, that's something that you can think about for next time so that your dog doesn't end up having food that they maybe shouldn't have, getting a dodgy tummy and things like that. So the next thing which is very important that I think is very important is scheduling a post-holiday vet checkup, just to make sure. Now, it's been very busy, there's been a lot of stress, there's been a lot of food around, there's been decorations, there's been a whole load of stuff. It doesn't hurt just to get your dog checked. Everything is probably going to be okay. But if you don't get them checked and something was wrong, you're going to be kicking yourself, you know? So... With all of this information that we just went through, when you're looking at doing the holiday post-mortem, looking at your dog's reactions, looking at your training takeaways, what worked, what didn't, what did you use, what should you be using, looking at their enrichment, their physical and mental stimulation, looking at your guests and how they reacted and the guidelines that you did or should have given them, the safe spaces and the health and nutrition of your dog throughout the holidays. That's when we have to take all of that information and put it into a holiday blueprint. Now, your holiday blueprint is going to be slightly different from everybody else's because everybody's dog is different and every household is different. The time that you can put into something is not the same as the time that somebody else can put into things. I was asked just the other day, how much time do you spend with your dogs? I want to make sure I'm spending enough time. Well, comparing how much time I spend with my dogs versus most people is not really fair because my dogs come to me to a lot of my clients. My dogs are here when I work. My dogs are all around me an awful lot. When I go out on walks, not only are these just walks, but 
I'm constantly able to think about content. I'm able to create videos while I'm out walking the dog. So a lot of my working day surrounds my dogs. So you can't compare what one person's doing to another. So the blueprint is very much an individual thing that you've got to look at. Now, you know what you've got to do. You know if it's the enrichment, you know if it's the training, you know if it's the area. So this is when you set up a plan. Now, if you're able to do this yourself, fantastic, go for it. Because that becomes very, very important as well, that you can be self-motivating and get that done. If not, reach out to somebody that can help. Reach out to us. Reach out to anybody that's uh, that's appropriately accredited to do this kind of thing. I think I say this every time I'm on the air, but when you're going for anybody that you're looking at for behaviour or training, make sure they're accredited with a, an organisation like the International Association of Animal Behaviour Consultants or something similar. If they're not, they're not using the most up-to-date knowledge that we have. So always just that little reminder that I throw in there. You've got to create this blueprint with a month-by-month -month plan. What are the goals that you want to hit each month? Is there any refreshers that you need to take? So even if you've created this plan, is there something that didn't really work that you might need to bring somebody in to help? There is times where I'll get phone calls or, or an email saying, hey, Fraser, you worked with us three, four, five years ago. Can you please come in for a session just so that we can brush up on boundary work, so that we can brush up on leave it or anything like that? And a lot of that's because they've evaluated something that went wrong and they're trying to improve it. And that's great when people do that. Do you have to work on desensitization schedules? If your dog was terrified of the fireworks, that's something that needs to be worked on. So again, we need to look at this very, very holistically. What needs to be done? What do we need to do? Then you can create the blueprint that comes more on your side. What do you need to learn? Do you need to brush up on your ability to read your dog? Do you need to look at the menu that you're serving your guests? Do you need to look at your guest list? For me, personally, if somebody is very negative towards the dogs in our house, they simply don't get invited back. You know, and it's not because I'm harsh. It's because this is my dog's home. And the last thing they need is somebody to come in and be unpleasant. So when that happens, that's it. They don't get invited back. That's not to say that I'll not be friends with them outside if they weren't too bad. But you've got to be strict about who you invite into your house, in my opinion. So you even look at the guests, you look at the food, you look at the what you actually told the guests, what the guidelines were, what needs to be improved. You look at the decoration safety. So if it's Christmas, for example, was the tree actually safe? Did the dog start eating pine cones if you had a live tree with pine cones on it? What needs to be changed to make that safer? Have that all down in your blueprint so that next year when the holidays roll around, you don't say, oh, what was it we were supposed to do to make this easier for us? Instead, you can pull out the blueprint and say, right, this is what we've got to do. Good to go. 
So that's what we need to do moving forward. But as you're doing this, start journaling your dog's reactions to various stimulus and training sessions. This this can just be a note on your phone where you say, reacted to truck passing, reacted to kids running past. So that if you're having a party and you don't have all the information that we've just spoken about, you can build up a good idea of how your dog is going to react if you do have people around, if you are bringing triggers into the house or potential triggers. Then you can start doing that holiday blueprint, even if you don't have any data from the previous holiday. So that kind of is me just running through exactly what you would need to do as your post-holiday review, how you reflect, set your doggy resolutions, as it were. And this is the point where I will ask those of you watching, if you have any comments, any questions at all, but any questions about that, or any questions at all on your dog or your dog's behaviour or training, please ask in the comments now. All questions are very, very much appreciated, especially since this is live and it's also going to be posted on YouTube, Spotify, and all those other places. So if any of the listeners here have any stories or any experiences from the holidays that have just passed, or even questions or stories about, you know, the holidays that are just coming up soon, please tell us in the comments. Let us know so that I can share them now and uh, other people can then benefit from them. So. If you decide to share this story from your holidays and you want it to be part of this session, you can post it either in the comments here or just post it into the Noble Canine group. And what you can do there is uh, actually just hashtag it Festive Furry Friends Part 3 and then it means that we can... Colorate all of the stories that we get, if we get many, and we can even have a quick live discussion on the side to discuss those and help people with any preparation that they might need. Okay, so if nobody's got any other questions or stories that they're wanting to share, which I would really like them to do, um, do you know what? I'm just going to call somebody out here. Sam, tell us a tale about your holidays with the dogs so that we can share it with everybody else. Very much appreciated if you do. As well as anybody else watching, if you've got any questions or stories, please stick them into the comments so that we can help people straight off the bat. If not, not a problem. Hopefully, as things move forward and we do more of these, live we'll get more people wanting to engage more people wanting to be part of the live podcast and ask me anything sessions so the closing thoughts here are quite simple don't try to rush preparing your dog it's the same with anything you're only ready to when you're ready you can try and set goals and you can aim for them and you may get there quicker. But 
at the, at the same time, it's your own pace and it's your dog's pace as well. So this is why it's an important aspect of it to have year-round preparation, not just the weeks leading up to the holiday. This is when you don't even need to say to yourself, right, we're going to do 20 minutes a day, every day. Now, if that's the way you, you are best going to do it, by all means, do it that way. But if you know that you have to work on stay, for example, that's when you're going to have that in the back of your mind. At every opportunity, you're going to ask your dog to sit and stay. You're going to ask your dog to stay and come. Whatever you need to do. So even if you're working in your office, you get up to get yourself a glass of water, you could just say, sit, stay, go through, get yourself a glass of water, come back, reward your dog for that. That means that your dog is learning it in real life scenarios as well. Now that means it's going to become a lot better for them when those holidays roll around. <coughs> Excuse me. So year round preparation doesn't mean that you're having to work super hard all year. Quite the opposite. It actually means that you're able to drip feed the preparation into your dog's daily routine throughout the year. So by the time it rolls around to the next holidays, your dog is ready and your dog is happy, safe, content, which means all of your guests and family are also going to be the same. Small, consistent changes make a huge difference in your dogs, your guests, and your family, all the experiences. So keep all of that in mind. These notes will be up on the post as well as on the podcast. If you want to listen to this on the go, you can get this on Spotify. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on loads of different podcast places, Podbean, wherever. So let's turn that hindsight that we've had into foresight to make it better for our dogs. And remember, if you have a story to share, share that with us in the Noble Canine Facebook page, hashtagging us as Festive Furry Friends Part 3. Okay, so that will conclude the topic, as it were, for this podcast. But just as a remember, just as a reminder to everybody that's listening to this, either live or via recording, you can come and join us for any of these lives. They're going to be done on Wednesdays, at the moment they're on Wednesdays, and that's going to be Singapore time, 8pm, UK time, GMT's 12pm noon, Australia um, AEDT is 11pm, and I'm sure that wherever you are in the world, you'll be able to figure out what the time is easily enough based on GMT 12 noon. So that's something that We'd be very grateful for if people join us live because it does make it more engaging and more entertaining for not just us, but for everybody else as well. And with that in mind, please remember to subscribe to the podcast. 
please give us a rating because that's massively helpful. If you're watching us live on Facebook, please hit the like button. If you're very keen, hit the share button. All of this stuff is very, very much appreciated. And of course, the Wagging Tail podcast is brought to you by Noble Canine. And if anybody needs any either online support or in-person support in Singapore, please reach out to us at our website or the Facebook page or Instagram or anywhere that you can get us. And we will be happy to direct you to the right avenues to get an initial consultation so that we can find out exactly what we can do to help you with your dog's behavioural problems, behavioural requirements and or their training. And with that said, guys, I hope that you have enjoyed this. I hope that all the listeners have enjoyed this. Any feedback would be greatly appreciated as well. And I will see you all later on, hopefully, next week. Cheers. Cheers.